Rookies and Rockstars on CliffCentral.com. Good morning and welcome. It's Wednesday again. My name is Jonathan Sinclair and we're going to be together for the next hour. Now, our usual hosts, uh, Miss Prue and Jade Reiniston are not here. Uh, Miss Prue has some business to attend to today. And uh, Jade Reiniston, of course, is spending some quality time with her new baby boy. So we wish them both well and I'm sure they'll be back soon. But today I have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to be aiming to inspire and motivate you. And this is just what the show is about, to give you the tools and the techniques and the wisdom to be the best version of yourself that you can be. I'm going to be talking to Mrs. South Africa, Sarah Kate Scott. She also was first runner-up in Mrs. World 2014. And we're not just going to be talking about the beauty and all the glitz and the glamour. The Mrs. South Africa pageant has managed to raise nearly 1 million rand for the Cancer Foundation of South Africa. So this is fantastic news. And then in the second part of the show, I'm going to be talking to media personality and speaker and motivator, uh, Heather Hook. And she's going to be just telling her story, how she came from being a divorcee, a struggling single mom, to now running her own company and inspiring other people to be better versions of themselves. But let's get straight into it. Let's not waste any more time. Hi, Sarah Scott. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad it's radio today. Yes, yes. Of course. Uh, yeah, well, let's just get, get, get the elephant out the no room. No makeup. Yeah. But uh, you are still beautiful and you are no stranger to the show. You've been here many times Oh, my before. gosh. I love I love Cliff Central. I'm just waiting for Gareth to offer me a job now, <laughs> now that my reign is over. I, I think he is definitely, uh, you would definitely be open to, to that. Okay, Sarah, so let's just, before we get into the money that was raised for the Cancer Foundation, of course, cancer is something that's very close to your heart. Absolutely. Uh, you and your husband um, have been very open about your child, what you guys went through. Won't you just elaborate why it still touches you? Absolutely. Um, my firstborn, Mark, is a cancer survivor. He was diagnosed with kidney cancer when he was 15 months old. Hmm. Um, and he was in hospital for a year. He had his kidney removed and, um, any parent that, you know, knows that their kid is not feeling well with the flu or a cough or, or anything like that, you know how much your heart breaks to, to, so to put that severity onto seeing your child suffer to that extent was incredibly hard for, for Darren and myself. And, um, my husband continues to do incredible work where he raises a lot of money and helps many families around the country. Um, but the Cancer Association of South Africa does incredible work. And the reason why they're so phenomenal is a lot of their funding goes into research. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they're trying to do is not necessarily just um, treat or try and cure cancer. You know, that is their goal and that's the objective and that's what they do accomplish. More importantly is the research on how to actually prevent cancer mm-hmm. and, and to try and get into that medical aspect, which is great. I think it's the, the work that they do is absolutely phenomenal. But what I'm really, really proud of sitting here is um, CEO Joni Johnson had just announced on TV the other day that all, almost a million rand was raised by the contestants combined. Mm-hmm. So anyone that says beauty pageants are world peace yeah, yeah. <laughs> or anything like that, you know, look what it, look what a group of 25 women did, you know, in, in collaboration. They raised almost a million rand and that is going to save lives. So if you if you want to 
mock us or say that we do hair flips or we do like a little pageant wave. You know, sometimes we do at home. Sometimes you look in the mirror and we do the pageant wave. Mm -hmm. But, you know, really we're going out, we're making an impact in our communities and these women are from all over the country. So on Friday evening, there's only going to be one winner. There's only one crown and it's in my bag. Oh, for real? (laughs) Okay, so the Mrs. South Africa 2015 will be crowned this coming Friday. This Friday at Empress Palace. This is the 16th. Yes, yes. All right. So so there's only going to be one winner, but the great thing is that at the workshop last night, every single finalist stood up and said what the pageant journey had done for them. And every single one of those women has changed, inspired, and motivated to go back to their communities and to continue to do what they've done. All this platform mm-hmm. has done is is made them step up and become a better version of themselves, mm-hmm. which is exactly what this show is about, which is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And... um that's what this process has done to all of them. So I really do encourage any woman out there who are married between the ages of, of, of 25 and 50. Yes, there is a swimsuit section. Yes. But what you gain and grow as a person. Um, wow. I sat there last night with almost tears in my eyes watching these women stand up and say how their relationships have improved, how they've, they've got out of their comfort, comfort zones. And that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And I've been incredibly blessed and fortunate enough to be pushed out of my comfort zone for an entire reign. It, you know, it must so. have been a whirlwind year for you. It's been um, amazing. <laughs> um, when you look back, what is the highlight for you? What was the moment where you're like, wow, this is real. This, this is happening to there me. There were two of them and it was at Mrs. World and at Mrs. Universe. To stand on an international stage mm-hmm. and represent your country is the most overwhelming experience it's mm-hmm. truly indescribable and i absolutely understand what the springboks feel like now <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna um, see hey? it was just amazing no, to, that's fantastic. to represent this country that i love so much was truly wonderful okay so now mrs south africa the pageant has um obviously an ability to help organizations why did they particularly want to support cancer was it because at the time you are reigning and you this is something that's close to your heart um, no, it was actually um, the CEO's decision just to um, – the Cancer Association of South Africa is the most credible charity. Um, there was some survey where um, they were, people were asked in South Africa, what is the most trustworthy charity organization? And the Cancer Association of South Africa is it. So the Mrs. South Africa brand just wanted to align themselves with something which is, which is based on their integrity. And um, they're just such a wonderful organization. And Munich was there last night and he gave all the women a certificate. And there's also going to be a Mrs. Charity announced. So what mm. that woman will do is then, like Talita has done this year, this year's Mrs. Charity, she's gone to every single cuppa for cancer. She's educated the women, educated the communities about um, cancer um, early detection and, and saving lives. Mm-hmm. This is really important work that you do. And a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, some of the other finalists who were with you in studio. And what came across was that Mrs. South Africa as a pageant is very uplifting. There Absolutely. is none of this bitchiness behind the scenes. There is not. And it really just is about inspiring every woman to do her best. There's such a wonderful quote that says girls compete with each other and women empower each other. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference. I'm very fortunate that I was a Miss South Africa top 12 finalist about a hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, there again, I'm not going to discredit that pageant because what they do is absolutely wonderful. And it was one of the most incredible chapters in my life. And I'm truly grateful for what I learned at that period in my life. Um, but for me to be able to be in a privileged position to compare 
um, I just feel I grew more as a woman surrounded by women that were inspiring me and pushing me to be the best version of myself. Competition is healthy. Mm-hmm. Competition is very healthy. It gives us that edge. It makes us push ourselves harder. It makes us go, oh, you know, she lost weight and um, she raised more money. It, it, it pushes you into a place where you're either going to accept the challenge and, and rise above it or you're going to back down. And I'm very competitive. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you're very successful. And this is what I want to get into into about what is it within you that has this drive to succeed have you always been this way absolutely absolutely i just wake up every single day with such a huge heart of gratitude um that that for me is what i can remember from my childhood just waking up and being grateful that the sun was shining or being grateful that um you know, I had friends. Like, I've always just been very grateful for the very simple things in life. And when my firstborn went through his journey through fighting and surviving cancer, it just absolutely reinforced who I am and what I am, but on a substantially bigger level. And I just, again, wake up every day and I'm just very, very grateful for, for everything. So to be Mrs. South Africa and only for a few more days, I feel in my reign, I've woken up every single day and asked myself the question, how can I go and make a difference with this title today. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's been big stuff and it's been fun stuff and it's been fabulous stuff. And other times if I've just smiled at someone in traffic and they've smiled back at me, who mm-hmm. says that I didn't change their day? Mm-hmm. Maybe I did or maybe I didn't, but I've woken up consciously going, what can I do today? And I think that's why my reign has been so successful. Mm. And what does your family understand? How have they reacted to you being, I'm sure you have now a lot of duties and you can spend a lot less time with them, but I'm sure they are very proud of you. Very. Um, my, my little, my firstborn Marky is almost five years old. And um, there's a portrait of me with the tiara in the lounge. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he just, he's quite blasé. Um, he thinks mommy's a princess and he knows uh, mommy helps the poor children. He tells his friends at school that, you know, um, my mommy helps the poor children. That's what he thinks my job description is. Mm-hmm. And every time I go out and I do something charitable or I do something where I'm making an impact on a community, I come back and I sit him down and I show him the photos of what I'm doing because I want him to know from a very young age age that um, Darren and my philosophy is in complete alignment with each other that we both have a profile but what our profile is is not about us it's what we can do for others mm-hmm. and I live by the motto I'm blessed to be a blessing to others mm. that's so true hey and now speaking of your son Mark when he was diagnosed at 15 months now you say he's five years old what does he understand about what he went through as a youngster does what does he recall from that time um Wow, it's a, um, it's, I suppose it's a double edged sword. He's got a photographic memory, which mm. is going to be great for school days. Yeah, but <laughs> there's some things you maybe want him to forget. <laughs> exactly. Eh? But you know, mommy with homework, I'm going to be like, well, <laughs> he listened in class. He'll be fine. He'll be a straight A student and he'll remember everything. Um, Darren and I are very, very conscious about not labeling him as the sick child or as the survivor. We want him to grow up with a very normal lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yet we do feel together that he needs to have a sense of responsibility that because his parents are possibly a little bit more well known than maybe Johnny at school's parents is that he has a responsibility, um, that he needs to use, he needs to use who he is and the fact that he's been in magazines and the fact that his life is, has been in the, in the media and has been publicized. There's just a sense of responsibility that he's going to have to, you know, carry a little bit of weight on his shoulders going, 
my life has purpose. Mm-hmm. And because I survived this, I'm going to raise funds for less fortunate children than myself. And it's Darren and my hope that he will continue to raise funds through the Mark Scott Trust, which is our private trust that we help families in South Africa with. Mm-hmm. Um, but Darren does a golf day every year and raises an, incre- an insane amount of money. And um, Marky goes to that and mm-hmm. he stands on stage with, with his dad and he's starting to just understand that there's something bigger going on than, um, you know, people just coming up to him and going, oh, look at you, you cute, your hair. Yeah, um, yeah. And in the same breath, we're not going to also overload the child with this mess. You know, he's not the prince. He's not Prince William or Prince Harry. You know, I mean, for goodness sakes, he also just deserves a normal childhood. That's fun. But I just feel very, very strongly about the fact that if you have any form of attention, what do you do with that attention? Mm-hmm. Is it your, is it your, is it for yourself or can you reflect that attention onto a cause bigger than yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the foundation I'm trying to teach both my children. I think people relate to you a lot more people who are going through this, who perhaps have a sick child or who perhaps know someone with cancer. And just the fact that you've gone th- through it uh, means that you can say, I know what is happening. Absolutely. I know how you are feeling. Absolutely. And it's, I think it can be very disempowering to, th- I mean, you want to take that away from your child or from your loved one, but Absolutely. you cannot. You just have to be there and support them. And I can imagine that puts a strain on your relationship Absolutely. and on you as a person. But you guys have really come through it. And I think we've all been along that journey with you, which is fantastic. Thank you. I feel, I'm, I feel very privileged that I will never understand why my little baby had to go through the suffering that he did. And I'll always, I'll always be incredibly heart sore thinking or looking back on that year. However, I do try and see the positive in every situation. And when I go and do the hospital visits and I see those children, it's not as scary as it would be had I not walked that journey and that path. And when I interact with the caregivers, because it's not necessarily the mother, um, maybe the mother's working, maybe it's the grandmother, or maybe it's not necessarily the parent that's there looking after the child. But whoever the caregiver is, I feel incredibly privileged that I can give empathy and compassion, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a true understanding of what they are going through in that moment. And I feel I do make an effective change by being able to communicate with them on a, on a very serious level and, and give yeah. them encouragement. I think that a lot of the time uh, people are so focused on the patient, no matter what Absolutely. illness it is, whether it be cancer, MS, Alzheimer's, the caretaker is the one who actually suffers along with the patient. I think that's the perfect wording you've just used, suffers along with. Mm. And I will always talk about Mark and my journey. And mm. especially as a mother, I feel to some degree that that sense of helplessness i actually oh i feel i feel like some moments i was actually suffering more than him because mm-hmm. i felt so helpless to not be able to take away the pain and and all of the side effects of the chemotherapy mm-hmm. that he was going through yeah. um and just one of the moments i remember um he he had, we'd got him back from the hospital. He was vomiting. He had a temperature, took him back to the hospital, put him on a drip, got him back. And um, he vomited again and he was falling asleep in my mm. arms. And just a tear rolled down my face because I had to be so strong for him the entire time because when he was awake, it was um, 
game face. So it was like, yay, it's another day. Yay, mm. let's go to the hospital. Um, my mom bought him a doctor's kit. We played doctor, doctor. We tried to do play therapy, tried to make the traumatic experience and moments not as traumatic. Um, but I just remember that one moment feeling weak and feeling, wow, I, this really is all consuming. Um, and it felt like, and if there is anyone listening, I, I, <laughs> It feels like it's never going to end. It feels like you can't even see the dot at the end of the tunnel. You can't even see the light. It feels like the tunnel's caving in on you. And in that year journey, it felt like it was never going to end. And it did. And and I'm very, very blessed that I'm now a vessel to now and, and encourage and uplift people that are in that moment. And then... Um, as well be the patron of Cupcakes for Kids with Cancer. And for me, oh, prevention is just, if you can just educate and get down to the bottom of, of just saying to people, you know, just wear sunscreen. Like, mm-hmm. please, it's, it's not, it's not a big thing. I mean, we live in a country where there is a lot of sun and it's not, it's not based on the color of your skin. Everybody should be wearing sunscreen. Mm-hmm. My kids hate me because I've got like this massive <laughs> pump bottle and, you know, if they want to even think about playing in the garden, it's like a sun hat and sunscreen. And it's just about educating parents saying, you know, um, we have beautiful summers with swimming pools and bras and, this is our culture. This is South African culture. We we are very blessed that we have this lifestyle. But just to be smart about being in the sun, a simple thing like that could could save a life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you're so open to talk about it and thingy, but do you ever get tired of these questions? Because obviously that was splurged. I remember seeing it on the cover of this magazine and on this magazine. But do you ever get tired and you don't want to be defined by that anymore? Or do you always feel it's my duty to speak about it and educate other people? Absolutely. Um, I, I feel it is my duty and I don't think it defines us as a family and I don't think it defines me or, or my child, mm-hmm. but I do feel it is part of our identity and um, it's about turning a test into a testimony. Mm. That's the most important thing. So how can the ordinary person help? Maybe someone who isn't in Mrs. South Africa, but just to take the cue from you guys who have raised this money in various ways and are putting your money where your mouth is, giving it to research. But how can the average Joe help? Well, you can go to the Cancer Association of South Africa website. I think it's C-A-N-S-A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm spelling out. I'm going, whoops. Am I dyslexic? Um, just Googling the Cancer Association of South Africa. You can get involved as a volunteer. And I need to emphasize that this is not just about money. Sometimes actual man hours or volunteering or, um, you know, things don't just happen with like a snap of a finger. People can, can use their talent or their gift or if you're a graphic designer or if you, um, uh, whatever your talent is, whatever your gift is, you'd be able to just contact them directly. You're very welcome to Facebook message me. I'll get you in contact with the right person. Um, and then, um, my charity, Cupcakes for Kids with Cancer, if there are any talented bakers out there, mm-hmm. um, we've just had National, um, Cupcake Day on the 26th of September. And that's our motto is it's the sweetest way to save a life. Baking cupcakes, selling cupcakes, all the funds go towards not necessarily just the treatment of the patient, but the holistic treatment of the patient. As someone that's walked the path, there's some people that don't even, don't even have the transport to get their child to the hospital. Mm. So where our charity comes in is that we will see the 
needs of the family that are not necessarily the actual cost of the chemotherapy. We'll see the needs of the family and then address them and help them in a monetary value. Yeah, as simple way. as that. Maybe you live in the area, you can help someone to the the hospital or whatever the case may Absolutely. be. And I suppose some people are working full time, mm. their kids have to maybe go for chemo or whatever the case Absolutely. is, you can help in any way possible. Absolutely. And I think what I just generally want to say is it doesn't necessarily have to be Kids with Cancer or the Cancer Association of South Africa. I just feel so strongly about the fact that anybody that's in a privileged position, and by I mean privileged, like, you know, if you're eating one meal a day, <laughs> wow, yeah. that's privileged. I've, I've come from a childhood where that was not my reality. And um, I think if we all just stepped up and decided this is what I'm passionate about, I want to go help autistic children or I want to help the, the, the differently abled community, if we all just found one passion and, and committed one hour a month and then you went, okay, I could do that. I, um, you know, I, I went to the school and I helped this or I did that. And then maybe next month, two hours a mm, month. Mm. You don't have to be crazy. You don't have to let it consume your life. But if we all just took a little bit of action, really and truly, we could have world peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, I want to just speak to you about <laughs> mom movements. Uh, what is yes. this about? Something that you're starting? Has it already begun? No, that was that was my plan at the beginning of the year, and I didn't realize how ridiculously busy I'd be. Um, the Mrs. South Africa PA actually just took over my diary because she kept on saying to me, um, Hi, Sarah, can you? And I was like, yes. And she's like, okay, so Sarah, there's a function? Yes. And she didn't even get through his sentences, and I just never wanted to look back on this year of rain and have any regrets. So what I've learned about myself is that I do not have the ability to say no. I just say yes to pretty much everything. And um, I did not manage to have time to to create my mom movement. But that is something I'm very excited about that now, as soon as the new Mrs. South Africa is crowned on Friday, to push forward. And basically what it is, is for me, just reminding women that we don't have to get lost in our identity as wife, mm -hmm. as mother. It's okay to be powerful. It's okay to be beautiful. It's okay to wear makeup. We don't have to apologize for the fact that we are clicking around Santon City in killer heels and looking good at the same time. It's okay to be everything. And we do not need to apologize for being dynamic. So mm. just going out and reaching the communities of South Africa and seeing the needs of the specific provinces and then trying to get corporate sponsors involved to every every province is going to have a different need. Mm -hmm. Every community, every area, every location is going to have a different need. And just for me, just to use my title and extend my title and again to continue to see myself as a vessel to serve others. Well, this obviously your reign is coming to an end. We you know, we know the new winner has been crowned this coming Friday. Such a real feeling. I may I may just run away with a crown off stage. <laughs> we may have a YouTube moment there. <laughs> but this is it. Now that it's coming to an end, what are you feeling? And are you excited for the year coming up? Are you going to maybe hang low, hang oh low goodness, for a little no. bit? Mm -mm, no, I'm just I'm I'm just getting started. <laughs> That's um, fantastic. I'm very excited about the opportunities that I've, I've had this year. I'm very excited about the network of people that I've interacted with. And, um, it's about just continuing with the same energy, with the same passion and with the same drive and, and seeing where can I go and make a difference? I'm not going to wake up another day in my life and go, how can I wake up and, and make someone's day a little bit different today?
So you really are an inspiring person and you have an aura and an energy about you that makes people feel warm and welcoming and want to open up to you. So I thank you for all that you do. And uh, I think you've been a fantastic Mrs. South Africa. Thank you so much. Um, I know you're going to be back on the show at some point. I was about to say, I think I start on Monday, Gareth. Gareth, (laughs) when do do I start? (laughs) We'll get on there. Okay, but uh, just before we say goodbye, how can everyone keep up with you? Um, So I'm on Facebook. Um, uh, Sarah Kate Scott. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Sarah Kate double zero nine. Um, wow. <laughs> just, just Google. Gonna, just Google just Sarah Kate Scott. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's arrogant. Just Google me. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like Kim Kardashian there. Just Google me. Um, yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get to do radio, TV, magazine stuff. So, yeah. But social media for me is the most direct, interactive way that I can speak to people. And um, I truly just want to apologize now. My inbox is inundated with requests and mm-hmm. I just I can't keep on top of it so no. I think the first thing I'm going to do on Monday is hire a PA <laughs> <laughs> step one Sarah Kate thank you so much for being thank here on Rookies you. and Rockstars thank and good you. luck with everything thank you so much keeping it real on cliffcentral.com Rookies and Rockstars on cliffcentral.com Yeah, it's part two of Rookies and Rockstars and uh, I'm Jonathan Sinclair standing in for Miss Prue and Jade Reiniston who are away today. But... We are carrying on with the theme of inspiring you, motivating you, and just creating the best version of you, giving you those tools, and just hearing testimony from people who have been through uh, trials and tribulations in their lives, but have taken it in their, in their stride and have, have come out on top. And I'm now joined by Heather Hook. Now, Heather is a media personality, a radio personality, and uh, she has been through some stuff in her life, but she's come out and she's doing what she loves. So let's just find out a bit more. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a awesome opportunity to be here. Um, I actually have an events management company. That's how I started in the industry in 2008. Um, oddly enough, as a PA to the, the um, director of the company. And as time went by, they saw obviously something in me. So I moved on to services logistics, conference coordinating, etc. And that's how I wound up in Joburg. Um, originally from Cape Town, and it's been quite a change being up in Joburg. It's very different. It's a yes. different lifestyle, I have to say. But uh, Well, this is what we hear. Now, apparently people in Joburg are more friendlier than people in Cape Town, or is that a myth? It's true. Is it really true? Um, I hate to say this as a Cape Townian, and there's probably going to be people throwing stones at me as I leave, but um, Cape Townians can tend to be quite clicky, so it's kind of like a we went to preschool together, we went to junior school together, we went to high school, and then we went to varsity, and those friendships span like lifetimes, mm-hmm. and often business comes out of that and their kids get employed in those companies of their friends so it's, it's quite like sort of clicky like that i think i'm the out of the box one because i'm super friendly i'll talk to anybody you could mm-hmm. leave me alone i'll talk to the plant you know like i'm happy with that so um but yeah we generally a lot friendlier up here and when people say come around for a bri they actually mean it like they'll <laughs> yes. give you a date and be like okay cool we're brying like Bring yeah, horse, I find you know? that Joburgers are very big on bringing bribes. So even at the end of the month when you're broke, you can still have a get together if everyone just brings their own and chips in. Yeah, it's yeah. Fantastic. So yeah, that's been quite cool. But let's, let's find out about your story. So you say you started at a PA in this company. Mm-hmm. Now you're the director. Um, why events management? 
I was married and I got divorced in 2007. I obviously then needed to find a job because I was a housewife. So um, I initially started as a dental receptionist in a dental practice, developing x-rays and marking fillings on teeth and all that kind of stuff. And after about a year, I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's, there was no room to grow. Um, there were two dentists and I knew that I was never going to go any further unless I trained as an oral hygienist. So I was like, okay, cool. Contacted my friend's dad, who was quite well connected. I said, please put me in contact with somebody who needs a receptionist or a PA or anything. Like I'll do anything. So, um, I got an interview and I went and the next morning she phoned me and said, great, you've got the job. And I started literally as a PA. So I was filing slips and answering the phone and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, they obviously saw something in me, quick promotions up to conference producer, um, they then moved up to Joburg and said, would you like to come up with us? I said, yes, of course, because I know all the business opportunities are up in Joburg and I knew this is where I needed to be. So we came up and I got headhunted by um, quite a big um, human behavioral specialist speaker and they offered me a great job. I moved on to doing that. And then after about a year and a half, I was like, I don't like working for other people. I mm-hmm. like working for me. I like having my own hours and doing my own thing and being able to, if I've worked till two o'clock in the morning, I want to be able to sleep till 10 and get up and know that I'll do the same thing the next day. I don't feel the need to be sitting at a desk at eight o'clock to five mm-hmm. o'clock to prove that I'm actually working. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the events industry anyway. I mean, it's like, it's weekends, it's nights, it's crazy, crazy hours. Um, and then sometimes you spend the whole day in bed just because mm-hmm. you're exhausted. So, <laughs> Well, later on, I want to get into how you took that leap. It takes a lot of courage to come from getting a regular salary, uh, knowing when you're going to get paid, you know, on the 25th, I'll yeah. have this amount of money. <laughs> Running your own thing, there's not always that guarantee. And I want to find out how you got that courage to do it. But just talk about the kind of events that you do. Is it parties? Is it weddings? So um, I actually quite by coincidence found myself in business speaker events. So these 5,000 people in Gallagher in a room, 14 speakers, two days, multiple sales. I kind of sort of fell into that kind of by accident in the background that I had. So um, I initially started working with a gentleman called Brian Walsh, who I actually still work with. Uh, their company, Real Success Network, does business speaker events. Basically teaching people about business and entrepreneurship, bettering themselves and taking their business to the next level. So I started off with him. Um, and then in 2013, I was at the Success Summit, the one where Richard Branson mm-hmm. was here. Yes, yes. And I got approached by an international gentleman to run his events in South Africa. And that was a stepping stone for me, a huge platform. And I'm very, very grateful. I no longer work with him anymore, but it was a huge opportunity for me. And then just by word of mouth, people came to me, oh, you run, because there's a very specific model to running these types of events. There's a specific AV requirements and the way that the room is set up and the sales, because obviously they, they speak and they encourage sales of products mm-hmm. and the flow to the back of the room and the processing of the sales. Nobody had done it in South Africa before. And I got a name as being able to do that. So I just kind of found myself in that. And I mean, I'm lucky enough to have worked with some of the biggest, um, you know, wealth and business speakers in the world in mm-hmm. South Africa and internationally. I mean, I was just in Ghana and Nigeria in the last two months running events there. So, I mean, that was an amazing experience as well. So I get to travel, which is yay. <laughs> it must be very um, uplifting to work with these big names and these people who are very um, successful and who are only no success. So failure doesn't apply in their mind it's not an option and do you learn a lot i mean you it's one thing to go to a speaker's talk and be motivated that way but to actually spend time with them work with them behind the scenes and see how they really deal with their day-to-day lives yeah i mean it's been a it's been a great opportunity and obviously as in life there's different kinds of people so there's some that are really cool and there's some that aren't and you just you learn to work with that but i think as i've gone through time in this industry i've realized that i want to work with people who have other people's
people's best interests at heart and who are working on the same sort of level as me. And in that way, I've sort of weeded out who I want to work with and who I don't want to work with um, just because it feels right, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, people always say to me, oh, you must have such a fabulous life and blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm running around like crazy in the background mm-hmm. and like tripping over cables and taping things to the floor and whatnot. But I mean, just meeting these people and being in their presence is, is absolutely amazing. And, you know, publicity sells. So if I've got a photograph of myself with Stedman Graham or mm-hmm. Raymond Aaron or whoever it is, and I'm putting that on my Facebook page, people are immediately like, oh my goodness, you're a god, you know, like mm-hmm. in the events industry, which is kind of cool, which has sort of helped boost that as well. But I've been, I've been very lucky to learn. And often like I do sit at the back of the room and I listen. And it's actually so weird because the times that I've sat to listen is when I've, it's just something that's completely applicable. So it's something that I've been battling with, like mm-hmm. uh, building social media or whatever. And he, they just happen to be on a topic of social media. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I quickly like scribble a note and then run off to go and do something else. But I mean, I really have been, been lucky to, to learn enough. And then business is tough, eh? Um, you know, you can learn from people, but it's actually implementing it yourself and putting that into practice mm-hmm. yourself. It's another which is story. A, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But you see, I think, uh, you know, life has a way of doing that. If you're looking for the answers, you need to listen for them because they're right in front of you. And like you say, maybe you just happen to be sitting there, you hear what is coming to you. So, but now it must have taken a lot for you coming from being a housewife to now having to stand on your own two feet and raking an income and it must have been quite a journey and I'm sure you've come out of it feeling like a more powerful woman. Of course and I mean I think I hate to say this but as you get older you get more confident as well so at 28 I was not what I am 10 years later Um, and I'm very very grateful for for everything that has happened looking back on it now I'm actually so thankful but when you're there it's a different story Mm -hmm. you know when you you know, you've just gotten divorced. You've got nothing. You've got no car. You've got barely any clothing, barely any furniture. You've got to work three jobs. I mean, I just remember crying with helplessness because I didn't, I didn't, I knew that I wanted to do something else, but I, I didn't know how to make it happen. And I just did all that I could. Every opportunity that came my way, I took it. I worked so hard. I just wanted to prove myself. And I think that's been a, that's been a huge stepping stone for me. And I see that, I see that a lot, like with my crew and, and some of my staff and stuff. There's just not that willingness to work harder. I promise you it gets noticed. It gets noticed more than anything. People see you sitting there till late at night. They know they can trust on you. They know that they can rely on you. And that is a huge, huge platform for promoting yourself through business for me. I've, I've tackled every task with 110% gusto. Whether I fall over dead in bed the next day and can't stand up, at least I've done everything in my power. And I know I didn't do you know, mm-hmm. a half job or whatever. And that's, I think, gone a long way for people to see that I actually am truly, truly, mm-hmm. you know, inspired and part of their team. Even if I'm just there for one day, I'm there to help. Mm-hmm. There's a problem here. Let's fix this. Um, Okay, guys, I see you battling with this. Can I help? Or here's a suggestion. Not in a like condescending way, but just in a like, I really want to help you make a success of your event or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, you know, how can I help facilitate that? People remember that. Mm-hmm. Next time, who are we going to call Heather, you know? Well, uh, coming from a PA to now being in charge, to having people underneath you, managing people, what kind of management style have you adopted? <sighs> oh, this is a funny one. Some of my staff will say I'm quite dictatorial. I believe 100% in your brand, and my brand is my brand. So my events company is called Haiku Events, like the Japanese poem. And when you're representing Haiku or you're representing me, you will do it to a specific standard. I don't care if you think otherwise. I don't mind if you come to me and go, Heather, I've got a problem with the way we're doing this. Can we do it this way? Not a problem. At least you're thinking outside the box. But please do not go and do something completely that would not – I mean – 
they literally get a list of you will do this, you will wear your uniform at all times, you will do all the things that are required of you just because you're representing a brand. And um, I know there's so many people out there, you know, they say, oh, being an events manager is like super easy. There's tons of events hmm. management companies. I was actually on the event industry summit last week, Thursday, where we sat down group of industry professionals and said, how can we set standards and processes and regulations in the industry to make sure that when people are employing an events manager or an events company, that they're getting a standard of service because somebody's auntie who does flowers in her garage is now all of a sudden running the event. And I'm like, are you serious? You know, there's so much technical stuff that goes into it. And there's, you should be getting a certain service delivery, if that makes sense. So I'm quite sort of, I make sure that my crew are really jacked and on point. If you're supposed to be wearing a cap, your cap must be on your head. And if you're late, you get into trouble. So because that's a representation of me, I don't want my clients seeing, you know, my crew rolling in there an hour late. It's just, it's disrespectful. I would never, mm-hmm. hey, listen, we've all overslept. Um, one of my clients will tell you we had to drive down to Durban at 2 a.m. and I woke up at 5 and oh, delayed God. the entire <laughs> drive. So we, we've all overslept. But um, I'm quite, I'm quite sort of, you know, your brand is your brand. And, you know, when, like when it's Christmas party and we are having fun and drinks, that's completely different. And I'm, I like interacting with people and getting to hear their stories and stuff. Um, but when we're on site, we, we're there to work. So mm-hmm. that's my. That's I think it really is an extension of you, your work. And when you say representation, it really hits home if you're being misrepresented out there. Exactly. So now for anyone who may be thinking, I'm going to take that jump. I'm going to leave my job, my steady income, and I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to do what I love and I'm going to make it happen. What advice do you have for them? I would say just make sure you've got a buffer. Don't leap out there completely. You know, have an idea of what you're going to do. Maybe have a couple of contracts that you're going to get or a couple of clients you're going to have and have a financial buffer to cover you from between three to six months. I would say at least six months. I was very lucky. My parents were extremely supportive when they heard how miserable I was and what I wanted to do. They, they gave me a loan to enable me to buy the stuff that I needed, like a laptop and a printer and all the stuff that I needed to get the business off the ground. Um, but make sure that you at least have that buffer that you can pay your rent that you can put food on your table because there's nothing worse than taking that leap and then how am I going to eat, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And, I mean, business goes through cycles as well. I mean, we've just recently had a dip in the events industry as well. I mean, and I'm looking at, like, my staff payments and it's stressful, you know, and especially if you've got people working for you, knowing you've got to pay their salaries, all the stuff that you – so just be – make sure that you've you've worked your budgets, Really, really well. That that would just be my advice, and probably because I didn't do it properly, that's why it's my advice. Um, I just kind of sort of leapt out there, and and I I've ran, I've fallen, I've fallen flat on my face in the mud. Um, there've been weeks where I haven't wanted to get out of bed because I'm like, oh, where am I going? You know. But I just, you know, I would say, yeah, just plan as much as you can. But I mean, if you are really, really miserable in a in a full time job, see what you can do. I mean, we're great on entrepreneurship in South Africa, and mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities. But the main thing is always funding. And I get a lot of people contacting me on social media and stuff and like, oh, you know, you're so inspirational. Can you fund me or where can I get funding? Banks aren't handing out that much anymore unless you have a, you know, a top class idea that's going to generate like tons and tons of income or you can get an angel funder or something like that. So just figure out how you're going to make it for the next six months while you're, you know, mm-hmm. crawling before you start toddling. Okay. So now that you, you're successful and you're running a business, um, is it important to keep on uh, focusing on the next step? And if so, what is that for you? So um, business speaker events have been quite big in South Africa for the last three years. But obviously, you know, we're going through some financial crises, if I can put it that way, um, in the industry as a whole. And I think in South Africa as a whole anyway. So my next step is my own events. I want, I've got a couple of concepts that I'm trying to launch, um, one in Nigeria and one here. 
and just basically get my own events up and running. But therein comes the money again, and it's the time, and you've got to partner with people, and it's a lot of it doesn't pay the bills immediately. So the end result is great. If you're taking 50% profit share with a partner on a 5 million rand event score, that's 2.5 million in the bank. But until you get to that point, it's literally out of your pocket. you investing in websites and you're literally going out there and selling your concept to somebody. Um, but I think that's definitely the way forward for me. And I've, I've, been, I've been approached by a couple of people to do really interesting stuff that I've never done before. I did a wedding. Like three weeks ago, I'd never run a wedding, but hey, it's logistics, right? And um, a kiddies book launch next month. So th- there are different avenues, and I, I, I like to be creative. So I got really excited on the phone this morning when she told me all the concepts, and I was like, yay, that's something different, and it's really creative. So I'm looking more at that than the nuts and bolts kind of. Okay, now, but maybe I'm wondering if I'm going to be like you, and I'm going to go out and create my own empire, if you call it that, is there a part of my life that I have to sacrifice? Is my, are my relationships going to suffer? I know you sp- speak about your <laughs> sleep cycle, but these are, these are necessary sacrifices. Sure. And I, when I started my business, I was 33, 32, 33. And I, I wrote myself a little declaration. It was, I'm going to be the best in the industry. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be powerful. I will sacrifice everything, whatever it takes up until the age of 40 to make this a success for me. So I set myself seven years. So that, that was my thing. And I, I don't have a partner. I don't have kids. My social life's a little bit erratic often because I'm a contract worker. So people, you know, two months time, oh, we're getting married. Can you come? And I'm like, can you put me as a maybe? Because I actually really, if a big contract comes, I have to take it. That's, mm-hmm. that's my life. And I'm extremely passionate about what I do. And a lot of people find that very intense. Um, I've been told I'm intense more times than I care to admit, <laughs> um, if a little scary, but I'm, that's just how I love, I love what I do and I don't, I don't want to stop doing that. But obviously, you know, as you get a bit older, you need to start looking at what's the future. And I don't want to be 50 one day with this multiple, you know, of, of companies and all this money. And then I'm, you know, completely alone. So it's, it's how, how do you find the balance? I think if you are with a partner and you're going to be going into business, I think that partner needs to be fully supportive and understand that it is going to be crazy and it's going to be meetings and you're driving around the whole day and you're coming home absolutely exhausted and you're sitting working till 10 o'clock. And I think it takes a very special person to be able to support that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that said, I think people that have gone that journey with you, that's that relationship must be, you know, at the end of five years, that relationship together must be so much stronger having gone through all of this Mm -hmm. and the trials and tribulations, if it makes sense, as opposed to just coming in at the end and going, Oh yeah, yeah. Benefiting from it. We're so glamorous. We're at all these launches and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, now how do you separate it? Um, I know with me, I, I can't, I like to, I'd rather stay at the office until 10 o'clock at night, than take work home with me. So how do you, um, distinguish? Okay. Work is going to wait until tomorrow now, or do you literally take those papers into your bed? You sit in your bed with your laptop. Do you, is there? Um, I used to, and then I realized I was killing myself. So I try to, depending, I mean, obviously if it's a week before an event or four days before an event and it's crunch time, I have to. Um, but that said, I, so my, my spare room is my office. So it has a door, which means technically I can close it, <laughs> which also means technically I can open it again. Yeah. So like sometimes <laughs> I get into bed and I'm like, Oh, I didn't send that email. And then I run quickly yeah. to the office and go and send it. But I try to avoid that. So to run about like half past five, six, I try to close that door. I'll go sit outside with a book, glass of wine, just chill. Um, because my sleep patterns are so erratic, if I'm not working, I'll try and be in bed by nine or nine thirty. And my day started around about five or five thirty in the morning. And mm-hmm. the first thing is laptop on, coffee, mm-hmm. and kind of ready to go. But I mean, you you've got to make that decision. But like I said, I mean, if it's if it's crunch time, 
that's it. I mean, in March, we did events for Deepak Chopra on a really, really short time scale, three cities in three days, four days. And I was literally getting three hours sleep a night. That was it. But that's, that's part of the gig. That's part of my gig. I mean, every industry is different. But, um, yeah, I mean, I prefer to wrap up at the end of the day and know, okay, tomorrow, here's my list. I'm a list person. Here's my list in order of da da da. And I come in and everything's ready to go the next morning. Mm-hmm. That's my, okay. that's my way of dealing with it. But yeah, I mean, it can be. But don't take work to bed. That's not a good. Yeah. It's just kind of beds for sleeping and other fun <laughs> things. It's not for. It's not for work. Okay, but now what is it within you that made you able to do this? Um, what is your almost blueprint for success? Is that something that's been in you since a child? Something your parents instilled in you, or was it just at that time after your divorce, having nothing, having to survive? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been relatively entrepreneurial as a kid. And um, apparently I used to decorate and throw tea parties for the dolls and stuff when I was like, <laughs> wee, like wee wee, small. So um, apparently it's always been in me. And I remember as I got older, like as a teenager, my birthday parties, the were lights and streamers and I've always been sort of in that in that industry but I mean I I started working when I was 14 Um, my parents had said to me when I was 16 I could go on this overseas trip with school but they would they would match my spending money for the spending money that I made that's a good deal so at 14 I started making scrunchies you know those like really funky like those little hair things yeah those like little hair things that were cool back in the 90s I made scrunchies in the afternoon after school and I sold them for one rand each so I had a big pick and pay bag and I walked around and sold them to the girls in my class Um, we baked I babysat I have been a maid. I've cleaned people's apartments before, whatever it takes for a little bit of extra bucks. And I started waitressing, I think, when I was 17. And I waitressed from 17 through to 28 periodically on and off. So, I mean, I think it's always been a part of me. But um, when I got divorced, um, the last time I saw my ex-husband, his last words to me were, um, you'll never amount to anything. And I know, but you know what? Those words have fueled me more than you know. I said to him, you just watch me. And I ran inside and slammed the door and cried my eyes out afterwards. But I mean, I'd literally that I think has been mm-hmm. the motivating thing that's carried me through everything. Mm-hmm. I'd, I don't want anybody to ever tell me and I'll do it all on my own. I don't need you to make me successful. I want yeah. to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been the most amazing journey. Like I said, with hiccups and trips and bruised knees and literally bruised knees because <laughs> I can't tend to fall over sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then beginning of this year, I thought, you know what? I want to. I want to be on radio. That's something that I want to do. I phoned a connection of somebody and I wound up on a radio station and it's been the most amazing, amazing experience. I love it. I love to talk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I could talk all day. I really could. (laughs) All right. So, okay. So you really, you go out there and you make things happen for yourselves. So just in wrapping up, firstly, what do you want someone listening to take away from this conversation? And then secondly, how can we keep up with you and follow your journey? Okay. So I think, I mean, everybody's different and everybody works, you know, in a different way. And, you know, I could give advice, but it might not be applicable to everybody. Just go with your heart. Just trust your gut and that little voice inside you that says do or don't. I've signed contracts with people where I've heard my little voice going, Heather, but I've done it anyway. And it's backfired on me. Now I trust my gut. If I meet somebody and I don't like them, I trust my gut. I go with that. And I literally, the other thing is just dealing with people. You People relate to you. It's, it's a personal society that we live in. So whoever you're dealing with, be it your crew, be it managers, be it 
Gareth Cliff, whoever it is, just bear in mind that that is a person and that mm-hmm. relationship is something that's going to need to be sustained over time. And that's how networks are built. So, you know, don't be horrid to people. Just be decent and try mm-hmm. to understand where other people are coming from, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and then to get hold of me, I am on Facebook, uh, Heather Hook. Um, please like the fan page because the other page is full and I can't take any more friend requests. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Heather L. Hook. L for Louise and I'm on Instagram Heather Louise Hook because apparently there's another Heather Hook out there <laughs> we're gonna get her <laughs> I know right <laughs> we'll get her in the parking lot okay Heather thank you so much and good luck on your journey and I'm sure we're gonna have you back one day I hope so thanks awesome alright so we will be back next week uh, Miss Prue will be back with me and then in a month or two I know Jade Reiniston will be back but thanks for joining us on this edition of Rookies and Rockstars I hope you've learned a lot I hope you're feeling inspired I know I am and yeah we'll be back next week Rookies and Rockstars on cliffcentral.com Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com